Yo, what's good? Welcome to episode number 10 of the Be Yourself, Do It Yourself podcast. Uh, pretty dope. I'm in double digits. I know it's taken me like months to get here. Um, however, I'm excited and I have a bit of a plan to keep moving forward a little bit more with this and uh, really trying to roll out a lot more episodes. Um, but thanks for anyone who listens. Thanks for tuning in. This weekend, this week, I should say, uh, is a really awesome episode that I just, uh, it was a conversation I had about two weeks ago now with my buddy, John James Ryan, who plays sax in the band uh, Keep Flying. He's also, uh, he manages the band and kind of deals with a lot of the business side for the band. Uh, but he also is uh, a tour manager. He's been a manager for a lot of bands, including currently Four Years Strong, but also he's worked for A Loss for Words, The Wonder Years, and uh, a bunch of bands. And the, he's just really, he's been around. He's gone on super professional tours. He's gone on a ton of DIY tours. And uh, he is the exact kind of model of a person that I would want to have on this show because, you know, the show is about do-it-yourself DIY culture and how we can kind of use this to push our lives forward. And this dude has done just that. He has created a lot for himself and done a lot for himself and experienced a lot through um, opportunities that he created for himself, which is really awesome. So this is a great conversation. I don't want to hold anyone up for too long. But I do appreciate you listening. Uh, if you don't already, please subscribe to the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you're listening on, or I should say Apple Podcasts, sorry. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out the YouTube channel because I do roll out video clips instead of just the audio version. And then um, also definitely um, follow me if you can at AJ Chiarella on, on everything. Instagram, Twitter, uh, even TikTok these days. And also check out the stuff that I do. You know, I, uh, I play in a band called Shakeout, Shakeout NY on everything, as well as uh, Livest, which was a, a part of the conversation that we just had here because Livest is the new live streaming company that my friend AJ and I started. Uh, and we just had our first stream ever, and it was with Keep Flying, John's band. And this conversation was actually before the stream. Um, But it was so awesome. It was really like, I don't know, just a really great time, a really great day. We got to just, it was just super successful for the band. It was successful for us. It was successful, I think, for everybody that watched. Uh, It seemed like everyone really enjoyed it and had fun. Uh, And it was just cool to bring live music. Um, So yeah, keep up with me on on social media because I I will be posting a lot more about that stuff. Um, but thank you so much for listening. If you're here, if you're a first-time listener, appreciate you. The video for this uh, episode was a little choppy, so I'm not able to use all of it. But uh, I think the audio came out okay, halfway decent. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy and uh, enjoy this episode with John Ryan of Keep Flying. All right, let's add him in. Johnny. What do you think? I hear you now. Oh, yeah, brother. I don't know what happened that first time, but whatever. We're rocking. We're good now. What's up, man? Cheers, bro. 
How's your uh, how's the sax playing going? I know yesterday you were telling me your uh, your lips were feeling it. How you feeling today? It's better. It's better than yesterday, but it's definitely like a work in process. And I had to take a break um, to help my family with uh, things that are happening right now. So, but um, uh, it's getting there. I can physically see in the back of my throat on my right side mm-hmm. like inflammation from playing yesterday, and right here. Like people normally have glands, heat tonsils removed, but like, like here in hand to my touch, it feels like pain. It feels like somebody hit me in the face with a baseball on both sides of my throat. And it's because, I mean, people probably don't know, but like playing, um, playing horn instruments, depending on the instrument, it, it requires muscles, muscle uh, movement in this whole region of your face and your throat. And it, it, dude, it gets strained and it hurts. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I'm gonna be the first to admit there there was a straight up few months that I just didn't take the sax out once. I was honestly too depressed. So, now that we got this stream with uh, with you and Livus this weekend, it's like, all right, let's get rolling every day, practicing every day, so that my chops are as good as they're gonna be by Saturday. Hell yeah, I'm dude. I'm 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 stoked that I'm stoked that we could uh, get you back on the horn. I'm I'm stoked that oh. we're, we're we're being the ones to push you a little bit back onto it. Let's uh so the 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 podcast is kind of just jumps into um we're talking about DIY, you know, like we're talking about how to just make shit happen for yourself. And uh I feel like you've got a lot of experience in that. Yes, bro. <laughs> you yeah. you've done, you've done a few things. You've been a few places. Um so let's let's jump into it, man. What you know, I don't think I've ever, I've kind of talked to you about when you were in high school, how you were like a punk dude, but was that, what kind of got you into, to like music? Did, was it, was it the sax first or was it music first? And then you picked up the sax? What, what was it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, a couple friends of mine who got into punk before I did. And then they kind of showed me a few CDs of a couple bands. The sax didn't come till later. It wasn't because I was drumming in bands first. It was, I got bored in high school and told my band teacher, I, I want to play anything but the drums. I don't give a shit about playing cymbals on this song. Um, and she said, we could use Barry Sax. That's the only thing we need here. And so I said, okay, that's the only reason I picked the sax up. I, I credit my music teacher, who I had from third grade until I graduated high school, uh, for you know, pushing me to play the saxophone. And it was truly for no reason other than that was the only thing we were lacking, a Barry sax. And so that was it. it she could have, if we had, if we were lacking French horn, it, it would have been French horn. Wow. You know I mean, so was, was, so was it that you just wanted to play? So you just wanted to play an instrument, but you weren't into the punk thing yet. You hadn't found that part of no, it yet. I was into punk before. Uh, but the sax did not come because of the punk. It came because of my teacher. Now, that being said, once I got good enough, uh-huh. I asked to join a band playing sax instead of drums for the first time, which was a, a band from Long Island called Drop It Jeffrey. I like at, They were my friends, and I just asked if I could play Barry sax, and I wasn't very good. I was still learning how to play the instrument, but they said yes, and then once that hit, man... Once I realized that I like being up front, it was over after that. I was like, okay, now I want to get good at saxophone so I could be in, a, a, you know, be good at this. And at the time, truthfully, 
my mind thought that that band would have made it and been a big band, you know? That's we all awesome. do. We all think that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, dude. So, all right. So, high school is when you started. Were you, uh, was, I know, like, so for the people who don't know, John's from Long Island, Long Island, New York, which has always kind of notoriously had, like, a pretty big scene for music, especially for bands in our, in our realm. Um, was, did you kind of hop into the scene or did you, were you first like, didn't really find out about it and started throwing shows? Like how did, how did that work? Like, how did you get into like Long Island's music community? There was, there was a, a few different promoters who did different stuff, but like at the downtown in Farmingdale, which was a venue at the time, that's where it was like an actual venue, like a 200 capper. That was where a lot of shows went. And, uh, I just used to go to a lot of them because they were giving out free tickets all the time. So that was one part of this. But the other part is that this guy, Christian McKnight, who works for uh, Live Nation now out of Manhattan, he booked a lot of shows on Long Island. And he was doing hall shows. And there actually was a hall in my town, the Babylon Legion Hall, that had things that you would – that they, they go up – they go on the internet now, and it's like a joke. Converge glass jaw at this legion hall poison the well like all, all these old shows from like 2000 2001 2002 and i went to those just because they were in town i was like a townie yeah young townie just going to what was available and some of my friends were into certain bands like that um and and then that was all i mean with the american legion there was also that era and I'm sure it was the same for a lot of places, but that early 2000s was an era where there was a lot of just like people like you and I just booking at any hall they could find. And seemingly, when I think back in my memory, I must have, as a kid, man, there, we must have had upwards of 40 different hall-esque places that held at anywhere from one to 20 shows before they stopped doing them in between the years of 2000, 2007. That's so, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Like so, you'd find one that was that would allow shows, and you'd get as many shows out of it as you could before they decided, never mind. Someone broke this flag, and we don't we don't want to have them anymore. I mean, that, dude, that's exactly what I did. You know, like I go all the way through high school and college, did the same thing, book shows until they were like, yeah, no more, and then you find the next place. But I think the uh, the kids that were willing to find the next place, I was just on Chris Ivanko's podcast earlier today, and we were talking about the kid with the PA system was always the guy. Like, he always went to the yep. guy with the PA system because he was the guy that could make the show happen wherever, and it didn't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Were, were you the guy with the PA system, or were you always more the, uh, the helping hand guy to the guy with the PA system? Never owned a PA system in my life. The only thing I've ever owned is a 57 my, my case. Uh, you cut out a little bit. I can't. John, I uh, I can't hear you, bud. If you can hear me. Sorry for this. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry who's, to everybody who's watching. I know he's talking. I can't hear you. I don't. I don't know what's good. I lost the audio out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't hear you. 
Um, hopefully we can get this sorted out. Sorry, guys. We were going for there for a second. I don't know what's good with this. I don't even know if he can hear me. But I appreciate you guys hanging in there. Um, and yeah, JP, Long Island, let's go. John, John does, dude, John does a lot on Long Island. He's a big Long Island guy. He's completely frozen now. I'm going to, um, yeah, he, he left. All right, it's cool. He'll, he'll hop back in. Hopefully we'll get it moving again. <coughs> going to have to figure this one out for, uh, for, for future guests for sure. But yeah, JP, this guy, uh, he knows a lot about Long Island. Uh, you, if you ever go to a show on Long Island, he's probably there. Unless he's on tour himself, which he also is on tour uh, a lot. <coughs> um, which we'll get into, hopefully, if we can get this actually uh, running to a point. I don't know what's up with it, though. Josh, what's good? What's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome, dude. Yo. <laughs> you. I hear you. I don't know what happened, bro. It just, it just, you, you were talking and then I didn't hear you anymore. You were moving, but I couldn't hear you. I don't know. I, I've just completely shut my Wi-Fi off now from my phone. Just maybe it's that, but I mean, I'm still choppy in my feed of myself. So I have no idea what it could be. It's all right. I, I, I hear you. If we could hear you, I'd be happy. That'd be, that'd be a win for me. Um, and that's a win for me. Yeah, yeah. We got a few people in the chat. Our, our buddy JP's in the chat. He's actually a Long Island guy. Oh, respect. How old is he? JP, how old are you? I think I think he's he's in college. Uh, he's college age. Um, what is that? What does that mean? I, I don't know. 20, 20, 21, 20, 19, something. I'll let I'll wait till he says it in the chat. But uh Um anyway, so you were saying I was saying you weren't the guy so you said you weren't the guy with the PA. Uh, and that's kind of where I lost you. You said you owned like a mic case or something like that. Just a mic, just a fifty-seven and an XLR for when we show up to all the all the DIY places that do not have any sort of help for the sax, nothing. So I keep that on me, and that's been years of that, always my own, because places are like, oh, we only got one mic. It's like, okay, well that ain't gonna work. <laughs> um, but we still make it work. I, I, you know, you mentioned stories. I'm I'm sure you can attest to this, but I have played. Far too many shows with that had no microphones. Oh yeah, dude. Um, far too many. Where it was just like we can't even have vocals. Oh well, fuck it. Um, but yeah, I was always um, I was always ending. I for I don't even know why, man. I, it just naturally. I think people just. I was at everything, so people. I think just thought that I was working, and then all of a sudden I was working. <laughs> I would I would just be asked if I wanted to help out for X, Y, or Z, and then it was just like pretty much not much happened here that I wasn't involved in in some way, um, you know, for the last ten years I'd say. So, um, okay, so were you working in like high school, or are you talking like did you go to college? I don't even know if you did you. I don't know if I ever asked you. If you I, ever... Yeah, I went to Five Towns for two years. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's cool. like a private. Island is a piece of shit school. I wish everyone would drop out of there so they'd close their doors. <laughs> it's the music spot. Isn't it like a music school? They steal your money. They tell you they're going to give you a degree in business management and you could go for audio recording. And why would you do that? Just go go to a studio and get a damn job. Yeah, yeah. dude. All this stuff is learning by doing. Everything DIY, I would say, is learning by doing. 
I just I, – I, I, I reluctantly went – I went to the college, and I wish I had never gone. I wish I, I never gave them my money because I dropped out because everything I was learning, I already learned, so I was wasting my time there. If you go there, good for you. I just think it's a really bad school. I don't Boy. think they care about about anything besides making their money as a private you know, institute, truthfully. They don't yeah. care about the students. So, Yeah, I could say the same about my school. Um, but anyway – so were you doing? Were you working shows then, or was it even before then? No, it was high school, man. High school, I was getting involved with. Hey, we need an extra person to stand at the back door. Hey, we need someone up front for for this. Hey, can you hold the speaker on the stand because it's going to fall over? <laughs> Things like that. You know? Yep. Yep. Awesome. All right. Cool. Uh, so. So then, moving moving away from that, what was uh what was the first band? I know you said your first band, you were like, is gonna be the band. But what do you what do you consider your first like serious band you played in? First serious band was uh, uh, the Flaming Tsunamis, which was a band from Connecticut that I joined because I I be, simply because the last band that I was in that I was pushing as hard as I could pre knowing uh, all the business skills I know now, but but you know. Post having some knowledge, I had determined wasn't going to be serious any longer. So I left and quit that band from Long Island to join this band in Connecticut, the Flaming Tsunamis. And I'm glad I did. It taught me pretty much everything I needed to know about surviving on the road the first few years of touring I did. Was was that all DIY touring with the Flaming Tsunamis? All DIY. All DIY we had a couple of... Uh, we went to the UK once on a, as a support band to a band called Sonic Boom 6. We did support one-off shows here and there for uh, way too many bands that were random genres from everywhere from Converge to Melt Banana to uh, Mustard Plug. And we did some, a couple other week-long runs, some Warp Tour stuff. But for the most part, yeah, all, all like we just did it ourselves. That's awesome. So what was, was your role in that band anything more than just playing in the band or were you like the hands-on guy? Because I feel like for people who don't know, most bands generally have a pretty hands-on person that kind of takes the management role when you don't have a manager, uh, the booking agent role. Like when you don't have these things or people working for you, you know, you have to kind of take that role. Were, were you that guy in the band or no? When I joined the band, I was the young guy who didn't know a lot about touring. And at one point throughout the course of my history in the band, which was until the band ended in 2008, um, uh, I slowly took over roles one by one until I remember one day specifically our singer Andy just looked at me and was like, or maybe it was a call. I don't remember, but he was like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. If you want to make this stuff happen, you've got to do it. I don't care anymore. We had a, some, there was a bad day and that was when it was like, okay, I'm doing all the business now. And that's when it started being like, I'm sending out the merch orders. I'm, I'm booking the tours. I'm the one on the MySpace talking, answering the messages and posting the bulletins, which was the only thing then. Hmm. Uploading songs to pure volume. Word. So, so you, you started being the guy that was kind of running the show, managing, which I mean, sure. has le which has led to a lot for you. I'm sure, I'm sure you learned a lot of the, the, the skills uh, through, through that, just doing it through that band. Yeah. Th when I, when I, while that band was active, I joined another band and I went in with the skills I got from TFT and helped that band also grow exponentially from where they were before I joined. Not that I'm trying to blow smoke 
uh, about myself, but I mean, I did, uh, you know, I, I decided to come in and put the same, you know, tour ethic and work ethic. I remember there was a, a, a week where I was just sitting on the computer, sending out sponsorship emails to every company I could ever think of Nabisco Kraft macaroni and cheese. I was like, let's just see if we can get anything. Let's see if we'll, anything and we did we ended up getting some like coupons in the mail some free things in the mail and stuff but it was just like i was living in michigan and um had nothing to do except the band so i dedicated my full time to it so all right so i didn't know that you moved out to michigan where uh when did you do that and did you do that for the band specifically yeah so when i was in tft i would live back and forth between new haven and Long Island, and I would take the ferry. I'd get on the damn ferry with my tenor, my Barry, my pit bull, and a backpack. And sometimes, and towards the end of our our band's life, a keyboard as well. I'd walk on the ferry with all that shit in my hand. Swear to God, it was like a, I wish I could see a video of me doing that. So there, it was very often that I would stay up there. So I kind of felt like I was living between Connecticut and. Long Island. And then when I joined We Are the Union, it was the same thing but in Michigan. So when I'd go out there to write or I'd go out there pre-tour or after a tour, I'd stay there either with Matt, the old trombone player, or Jim, the old drummer. Um, and same thing. I just kind of lived wherever I could because I had zero dollars uh, and it didn't make sense to go back. Yeah. You know? So you were uh, you were you were generally like living in Michigan, but you just didn't, you didn't ever really have a, pl- a place of residence. You were just kind of bop. You were couch surfing Michigan. Yes, the same way it's been pretty much my whole life. If I've gone anywhere, it's like I feel like I live in this other place too, but I don't actually live there. But kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, until until this year, pretty much. I'm sure that's basically <laughs> been your that's been your past ten plus years of your life. All right, cool, man. Well, all right, so. So you're playing in We Are the Union, which it's funny. I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I've ever told you. Uh, I used to be super into We Are the Union in high school, and this you'll find this funny, and it might segue good into the next thing. But um, I found We Are the Union on iTunes. Remember when you could, used to buy an album and they give you the other recommended albums you should listen to? Okay. I found We Are the Union. I think because I was listening to Four Year Strong. Funny enough, We Are the Union shows up. And also, the same day I downloaded the We Are The Union record, I've never thought about this in this sense either. I downloaded the Wonder Years Get Stoked On It because they were both there and I had an iTunes gift card that I got as a gift. But it's just kind of funny because I found both of those records through the four-year record, which are now three bands that you are very connected to. Which is like, I never thought about that in that sense, but that's... Uh, that's a connection from when I was in I was in high school at the time, tenth grade. And I yeah. found and I listened to Four Year and then I found uh I found those other two bands that you were obviously I guess did you play on the record that had like John Cusack on it? So I, when that record came out, I joined the band like pretty much as that record was coming out. Okay. So I didn't I didn't actually play on that record. Matt recorded two trombone tracks. For who we are. Got it. But but most people don't know that because that was like we toured on that album for so long before we did more music that people just assume, uh, I think you must have been, even to the point where we did new artwork for the record, uh, specifically in Japan, and I'm I'm on the record. Like I'm, there's photos of me and stuff. So 
Got it. I started right after that on show EP, like on the actual recordings. But I I pushed that record hard, even though I didn't record on it. I mean, dude, that's that's awesome. And were you guys on a label or was it independent? Animal Style Records ended up putting out the vinyl. Uh, but in the beginning, it was completely DIY and independent. That's awesome. So you, we made CDs, and then we did it. We did a CD in Japan, and then you know, and then Animal Style ended up pressing it on vinyl, which was awesome. You know. Yeah, and I feel like that time that we're take, what are we talking? Two thousand eight, nine. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah, two thousand eight. That's that was a time where like I feel like vinyl started to kind of come back a little bit. But it was kind of the beginning of vinyl hitting the scene again. Or bands starting to like regularly press vinyl, or am I off about that? No, no, that's true. Yeah, okay. Um, sick. When, like I, guys like you and I started like, let me see if I can email this label about getting a license for this band's record and pressing uh, a re-release of the record. Like that's when that happened, and that's happening again now. Yeah. Yep. That's dope. So, all right. So moving moving forward, did you? Did you always see, did you see yourself as like you wanted to be a musician on tour or did you also like the, I mean, to some degree, I would imagine that you like the other work that comes along with being on tour. I love the work. Didn't know that I would ever care about it though, until it happened. I always thought I would just be a guy that's rocking. Never thought I'd work. So what did it come because you got offered to do it and so, and you were just like, yeah, let me go give it a shot or... Uh, was it something that you started really small with a band and like just was like, no, I'm this for this band and, and grew it with? Pretty much a combination of the two. I I on we played a home show in May of 2009. We're the in my union. own town. Yes, in my own town, West Babylon at Sinclair's outside, and it was until the last two years, it was my favorite show I'd ever played. And right after the set, I was asked to leave the band. So. I walked home, and I was—I uh, don't even remember the feelings, but they were—they were not angry. They were devastated. They were—I had just spent so much time investing, uh, and uh, luckily for me, um, because of We're the Union, I had become very close with a band called The Lost for Words, like better friends than them, than the members of my own band. Same with Fireworks. Both those bands, I was closer with them than members of my own band, and I called uh, Marky and Maddie. The next day, and like two days later, they asked me to just fly out and help them. They felt bad for me, so they asked me to come out. And they were, I did. And they were, were at the time. I mean, a loss for words, you know, obviously is a pretty well-known pop punk band. But were they, were they like just on the come up? Were they still a DIY band, or they were like doing it? They were still DIY, but they were like, you come out, maybe sell the T-shirts for us, help us with the driving. I know you don't want to be home. I know that you've just been on the road for three years straight and you uh, you can't be. And they were right. And they took me. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. So, uh, And they're a Boston band. So you st- you obviously stayed in Long Island, but then kind of just shifted up and uh, and went and went to and went to Boston to work with these guys and, and travel. Correct. Nice. So what did you what did you start? You started as like a merch just everything there was no title it was just like do the stuff so like yeah okay which what i which is what i did for many years for all the bands i worked for it was like let me advance the shows let me do the merch let me help you get your gear on stage let me help you get your gear off stage we didn't have any crew because there was no money 
The Lost Rewards had no money. When I started with the Wonder Years, they had no money. Um, so it was just, we don't we can't bring any other crew. So just you do everything. Like, you're the other guy. And not only that, but it was like, I want to say it was the second year of me starting to do that. But I realized my presence wasn't just, exp like, me working wasn't the only thing that I was doing. It was like year two of that that I realized my presence helps the band's dynamic when they're having arguments with each other or they just need a break from the band members. It's nice to have a cushion of a person who's not in your band. And that is one of my biggest tips to this day for tour management is, is needing to know and read the people that you're managing and know when they need you, not as a worker, but as a, like a, like a spirit and a friend to like pull them out of the funk or the anger or the sadness or whatever it is, because you're also like expected to be like almost like a, not a punching bag, but a buffer between members of, of, you know, artists, you know, I think that's really important. If you don't have those skills, you're not going to make a great TM. Honestly, that's my, my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's, it dude, is. I think that's great advice. Cause I don't think a lot of people, um, you know, I think we all as DIY musicians have the friend that's down to come out on tour. Until you get older, until you get up to our age, where it gets harder to find the friend that'll just come out on tour for nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think if to do it for someone like you who went from doing the DIY thing to doing it for more professional bands, and mostly because you just kind of ro rose and grinded with those bands, you started with them when you yeah. were doing nothing, and they became something. Um, no, I think that it's 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 uh, it's good it's good to hear because I've I've never actually. Um, I've never been on a, a tour that wasn't a DIY tour. Like I've always only done DIY shit. So I don't really even, I don't, I'm out of the loop on how a lot of that works. Like when you were doing the DIY stuff, how serious were you taking it? Were you doing like the day sheets? Were you doing, were you writing what the band had to do that day? Or you were just going with it and go, getting in the, in the, uh, in the van and doing the thing. I would just tell them, I would just tell them this is what we, this is what the deal, or they'd ask like, when is loading? Like, as it got, a, like, still DIY, but, like, a little bit more growth, I still never did day sheets. Funny enough, fast forward, and then there was, like, all these years of day sheets that I, I – all these years I used day sheets on these, like, headlining tours that were not DIY anymore. Um, but I, I – bro, because my mentality is DIY, it just never left. So many things I, I, I did for the bands I work worked for and currently work for – was me applying DIY ethic to professionalism and it saved the bands a lot of money. But as far as day sheets goes, fast forward, I I'm back to not using day sheets. Now they, there's like, I just send a text group chat. Here's the day sheet. No one needs it on a piece of paper. Yeah. 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 This, as long as somebody's keeping track of what's going on in the day to day. Yeah. They look, I mean, there's like for, for pro bands, there's like apps like master tour where you could just, I can plug in all the info at night and they can log in at any point on their app and just see all the info right there. So there's no reason to have paper anymore. But, you know, they're still nice to have when you're in like big, big venues because, you know, whatever. So I'll still do them for that. Or like for my door guy at AMH, if I'm running a show, like they want the times because people keep asking them, what time does this band play? What time does this band play? Et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, no, for the first... 2009, 2010, 2011, which were my first years of working for bands. It was still very DIY. 
It wasn't until 2011 that it started becoming a mixture of DIY and more pro. Nice. So while we're here on this, just because I'm curious about this, just thinking about it, is um, I was going to ask, uh, how, do, how do you actually figure out what to do on the day-to-day for a band? Like, is it given to you, like now maybe, let's say, in the more professional setting where bands have interviews during the day on tour, or they might have, you have to find out the load-in. Are you given that stuff by the agent and the publicist and all of that, or is it your job to, and then you just organize it? Like, how does that work as a tour manager? I'm just curious for my own sake, but maybe so other people are listening. Every band and, every band and team is going to be different. Um, you know, there's been different times with different bands I work for where it changed. For instance, when I was with the Wonder Years in the beginning, it was before they had an agent or a management or anyone. So it was just me. Like Dan would tell me, hey, can you make a note that I have a call with somebody who emailed the band directly, right? So like there's that. But if we're talking about like usually how it goes, as far as like show info, it is from me. I usually – you get the contract from the band's agent, usually directly. And then – but then it even – you got to reach out to the, the rep of the venue to get all that info. And it'll either be the promoter or their, you know, assistant or a rep, right? As far as the interview stuff, again, if it's like most times for me, it'll be like I have direct contact with their PR company. And they'll nowadays, it, 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 everything's gotten easier as years go. Nowadays, they all just use like a Google document where they just update it. So I can just check it the night before and be like, oh, we have nothing. Or, oh, we have five things tomorrow. Yeah. Um. And then usually it's me reaching out to those people. They have a phone number on there or an email, and I'm like texting them like, "Hey, so are you rolling through at three or what's up?" Got it. All right, that's cool. Um, that's cool. You know, and that's again depending on the size of the artist, that might be all one person's job, or that might be multiple people, assistants, things like this. Like uh, I know some larger bands that will pay somebody that isn't the TM to just advance all the tours just to get all the info and they get like a flat rate and then their work is done. They don't go on the tour. They're just getting all the info for, for the TM. Um, it depends That's dope. who you are and what, what you're looking for, you know, and how much you have to spend. <laughs> exactly. Personally, I like advancing the shows cause I like having the dialogue with the person that hopefully not always this way, but hopefully they're there day of, and I get to like, you know, bullshit with them. And it's something I like to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, dope. So, all right. So as a Long Island guy, you're from Long Island. You're working with, uh, mostly what a loss for words when you first, uh, start doing the, the going on tour, helping your friends bands out thing. How do you get hooked up with the wonder years? Who's from Philadelphia? Exactly the same way you found out about all those records. When you talked about that 10 minutes ago, that circle of bands were just friends of mine. Uh, we're, uh, we are the union. I was became friends with Wonder Years guys. Same with Four Year. Same with The Lost Words, Transit, Fireworks. Those are all bands that I either we either opened for them at one point, or you know we played their you know their small headline show at home, um, or we were just homies. Wonder Years. I got started working with them full time because we did a tour together when I was with The Lost for Words, and by the end of the tour, they were like, "We wish you were our guy," and then I became their guy. Nice. And um, what record was that? Just just out of curiosity, also as a Wonder Years fan, just curious what, what started record. With that, 
when they were doing the seven inches. So before upsides, because they hadn't signed the hopeless records yet. They still were a DIY band completely. They, it was just them, or maybe they were on no sleep DIY, but like on no sleep doing those, like no sleep was, was small at the time. It was a very small independent label. Yeah. They had like the won't be pathetic forever. Seven inch or whatever. I think that was them. Cause nice. their first tour as a band was on get stoked on it. And it was in the UK. That was the first tour they ever did. The UK, so, brother. Imagine that. Ha, so a DIY UK tour too? Like they booked at the DIY. like. And DIY, you yep. were you on that tour? Or was you started working for them after? Gotcha. Came in after they did like. I want to say they had like two tours before, maybe two or three other tours before I started with them. They did one with Therefore I Am, and something else, and it just that. Ghostbus tour, which was in, which was like eleven weeks or something in the fall of two thousand nine, was when we all like hung out every day, and then it just happened. That's dope. Started working for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, quick shout out to actually, Matt first. Thanks for the follow. What's up? I actually, uh, I actually was convinced that I was going to join their band on keyboard. When they had removed, when their keyboard player was asked to leave slash quit the band, I was convinced I was going to try out and play micro Korg and be in their band. Hundred percent had no doubts, and then I made the phone call, and they were like, "Yeah, we're moving on without the keyboard. We're just going to have no more keyboard in the music." I was like, "All right, all right." <laughs> so you were, just, but you were the guy, and I've told you this story I think before, but I saw the Wonder Years for the first time. Um, Streetlight Manifesto tour where they opened up for Streetlight. Yep. I think that it was like right after the Upsides came out. Um, and I remember to this day, I bought a uh, t-shirt that was, it said, I don't need to pump my fist to look sweet in big letters on the front. Oh, it, was yeah. a, it was a purple t-shirt. Uh, I was in oh, yeah. 11th grade at the time. And uh, I walked up to you at the merch table. And I remember because you're a very, you're a very memorable face. I walked up to you and I was like, "Yeah, I need a, a medium." And you were like, "Yeah, we don't have medium. We only got small." You're a small, and you just hand it to me. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I guess I'm a small." And I like bought the shirt. And uh, I was like, "That's how you." That looking back at it, it's like, "Yo, that's how you sell merch. You want to sell merch, man. No matter what, you look at a guy like me. I was. I fit into the shirt. I still wore the shirt." <laughs> but Brother, that was that was the hustle right there, and that was a really bad shirt. That at the time we thought was awesome, and it sold so many units. High school kids and like me loved I, it. We, <laughs> dude, it, I think about that now, and I cannot believe how many. We must have sold probably realistically, because we also printed it on black. I hate that I can remember these things. I think we probably sold about 400 or 500 of that design over the course of its time. Which is really good for a, for a, small, for a smaller opening support slot band. That's a, that's a lot of t-shirts. And what's funny is that now I'm fairly certain that they refuse to play that song. I'm pretty sure it's on their list of like their personal list of songs that we will not touch this. No, no, no. <laughs> until they do the upsides 10 year, sure. until they do the upsides 10 year show. <laughs> then they got no choice. Yeah, then they're doing it all. Then it's all coming out. <laughs> I, uh, I heard they might hire me back. I heard they might hire me back for that for the for that run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you'll gladly accept. I'm just telling you what I heard from AbsolutePunk.net. 
I heard that they're hiring me back. I heard that too, bro. I heard that too. I I I I uh I hope that for you because they unlike that original tour, there will be the big bucks attached to this tour probably. Oh yeah, definitely. Hopefully they'll increase my salary from six hundred dollars a week. Hopefully. <laughs> um. That's funny. All right. So, uh, all right. So cool. So you're working for the Wonder Years. You work for them for a couple of years. Um, now, what was the first oh, band? Bro, I worked for them for almost six years. And yeah. It was, just, just not to cut you off, but no, no. I gave literally my entire essence and energy to that band for all those years, and they know it. That's all. It, yeah. it, I did more. Than, than most of the members because I really believed in that product and I believed in them as people and high and, uh, in, in what it was that we were doing. I felt truly like I had made it as a musician and I wasn't even in their band. That's, that is how I felt. That's, that's amazing. And real quick, I just want to say, um, you know, as a, as a DIY person, as people that just do things, and you're you're a doer, you know, you're definitely a, a guy that just goes out and does. Um, and I can tell you, just put just from the you know what I know of you and what I see of you, like you do the thing as best as you can, always, right? And I think that the the reality is that even when something doesn't work out, the skills that you learn from thing to thing are forever right so like even though you put your you put a lot of time and you put a lot of energy and things into that band and for you it didn't work out as you probably thought it would you were not you have now been able to transfer those skills over to the things that you do now which it's it's cool you know like doing there's no regret with doing ever is what i'm getting at i guess like you could always do something and you're always going to find value of that in your life to some degree no, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I would change some things, but the timeline has worked out. It, it Really, it was the moment where I had been working for four year longer than I had been working for the one years. At that point is when I was like, I'm good now. Now I feel really good because exactly like you said, I was able to take everything I learned from there and do it. Uh, even better with four year and then my own band. So, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. No. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No, the timeline. Man. Timeline wouldn't change anything. Doing is always better than not doing whether it works. Out, I think people don't do sometimes cause they're afraid to fail or they're afraid it's not going to work out. But at the end of the day, doing and learning is always good. Cause you're, you're going to use it. You can use those skills to whatever it is and apply it to other things at some point anyway. So, doing is always better than not doing and you're you're definitely a, a doer i would say i mean doing is better than not doing am i right aj uh, yes sir yes sir all right so let me yeah. all right so you do you, you work with the wonder years you move past did you start working with four years strong directly after the wonder years is that how that timeline worked out It was at the same time I started working for them in 2014. It overlapped for I worked for both bands, and that was a, another time that had happened when I was in TFT and we were the union, where I was on basically on tour for 12 months out of the year. 2014 into 15 was a, the same thing. It was basically back to back 
you know, butt up against each other tours between the two bands where I was on tour for like 13 months straight and I was off almost no, no time. Did you, did you like that or, or were, I mean, I would imagine I you did, but I, did. I loved it. I was, I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was good for you. And, and that was, and th- again, this is you not playing in a band anymore. And at this point you hadn't played in a band for years, realistically, right? As like a touring musician. Correct. Yeah. That's all right. So that's cool. So, all right. So you're working for both bands. Um, so that, that's kind of the overlap kind of worked out for you. Cause when one thing didn't work out, you kind of already fell back on the other thing you had. Um, Correct. so, all right. So I'm just trying to scoot through your journey here a little bit. Cause I don't want to hold you for that long, you know, but, um, you, so you get through, you're working for now, you, you now tour manage, you were just tour managing for your strong. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. So what point did you, what, what bands have you managed? Cause I know you did the management thing for a little bit. And uh, what got what got to there? Like, what, was there a, a band that happened or that you saw? Uh, yeah, it was four, it was four year. They 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 parted ways with their management, and they didn't. They took meetings, and they didn't want to get any of the managers that had asked them. And then I remember them sitting down and basically being like, "Do you want to do all the stuff like all the time, like even off the road stuff?" And I said yes. And then I was their active manager for many years. 2015, 16, until 2015, until 2000, when was Disrupt? 19? Nice. And then so they did. that was, right? Disrupt was summer 2000, yeah, 19. So like it would have, I was, I was their active manager for those three years, like 15, 16, oh, four years, 15 to 18. Four years strong, and bro. And at that time, huh? I said four years strong, bro. Right. For you. Um, it was cool, but I think it kind of, I didn't like post about it really that much, but it kind of got out there. So I got asked by a lot of other friends' bands if I would help. And that's when I was like, I helped Transit. They also parted ways with their management, and I managed them until they until their final shows. And then we wrapped the band up. Light Years, Table Talk was a Long Island band. Rich People, when they first were starting. Uh, Forever Came Calling, when they came back to do a record. Handguns, when they were randomly doing shows again um junior was the band in the uk uh and dude it was it went from like just four year to like oh my god i'm helping all of these bands and i didn't make any money from any of it i did it all diy and made no money i never branded a company i never asked for money i these were all most of the bands weren't making any and i didn't take any from them i know that as as managers, is no. This is not a rib to the managers. Clearly, you need to make money; it's your livelihood. But like all the bands I worked for, made negative money, so I never asked them for anything. I just got a great learning experience out of it. And over the course of the last two years, they've all just kind of either went defunct again or moved on or or do nothing. So it's like I had this wave of bands that I helped, and then all of a sudden, it just all just at the same time just kind of faded away and now i just do my own band i don't have to manage other bands now yeah i mean the reality in in, in the diy world is it is still very do-it-yourself and even when you have people's hands on like you st- it's you still have to do the thing and you still have to strive to do the thing and then if you don't it's gonna fall so you, you can help those bands as much as they want as you want but if they're not there they're not they're not there for it you know 
Um, but also, right. I think recognizing how important it is to to just like take on people without money because you want to and because you want to help and recognizing that like just like you were working for the Wonder Years and when they were a DIY band, like these bands, some of them just go. Something's happened and then you have an opportunity too, you know, like play, putting yourself in the place oh, for the if, opportunity. If the Wonder Years had never started getting larger, I don't know that my path would have been the same. I, I have no idea. If the, What if they had just not gone anywhere? You know what I mean? Also, had I kept working for them past 2015, same thing. Would I have never started my band? This is why I said I wouldn't change anything about the timeline. Because when Henry asked me if I wanted to start a band, it was like the perfect time of and where I was at emotionally uh, where it made sense finally to do so. And had things been different, I don't know that that conversation would have ever even taken place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so let's 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 jump ahead to to that because that's such a big part of life now, and it is it is the DIY essence that you live in now. Like, keep flying. Like, wh- how how did that start? Because I so I remember the day Keep Flying dropped the your you guys dropped your first song. I didn't know you yet, but I knew Henry and DJ, and I so I knew those guys, but I didn't know you. And I I remember it was big, man. The first day, a lot of people found out about it. The first day one, I remember that. How did how did so, that come about for you? Like, so me and Henry were close. I wasn't really friends. I wasn't really close with DJ, but me and Henry were close because he would he had been just like me, the DIY guy who came a few years after me with his band survey says, and he was trying to do it really two hundred plus shows a year. He was trying, man, and they also got some support stuff, and they also got to go overseas. He got to do some cool shit, but. It wasn't working anymore. They lost all their members. They couldn't keep members. And I, DJ eventually got to the point where he didn't want to be making that music. And I remember Henry came over. He was super bummed talking to me about DJ don't want to do the songs. They got ska in them. And I got no members now. And like, we're going to try. And I told him, hey, man, why don't you do what he said? And why don't you try taking out the upstrokes and turning it into like, you know, uh, straight through, like uh, make it more punk, you know? And I remember, I think he did it right away, like a few days later, and he sent me the songs, and I was like, bro, these are so much better this way. Oh, it's so much better. Maybe that was because I was, I had a vision from my We Are The Union days of like, of of taking like a punk band, pop punk band, and having horns in it, and it not necessarily being in your face ska music, um, but I was sold, and I told him by the end of that call, like, yo, I'd love to record the sax on these songs, man. I, I would love to. And we recorded the record with Brett. And this is before the band was uh, announced. Recorded the record with Brett at, at a barbershop. And I'd say it was into song two that I was like, I told myself, I'm going to join the band. As soon as I'm done recording, I'm going to tell them. And that's exactly what we did. We finished recording and we were outside of the uh, barbershop. And I was like, I want to be in the band. Actually in it. Like, I don't want to just be um a recording person on the record i'm i'm in i want to do the video we're shooting a music video for safety harbor i'm in i want to do this and it's funny because i was so dedicated to my work at the time that i did tell them i can't do anything besides grab my sacks show up to the show and play the set do not expect any business from me and fast forward and i do everything now so my attitude shifted as the band progressed 
and I realized how much more happy I was uh, doing Keep Flying uh, than, you know, not versus work. I love work. It's different. But, man, it really, over the last couple of years, has pro- it has been such a, a, a therapy for me, more than touring for work. Um, so, dude, yeah. That, yeah, dude. I'm, really I, glad, I'm glad that DJ broke up Survey Says. Thank God they broke that band up. Thank God. I mean, yeah, every dude, it's it's kind of crazy. Cause so was it like when you started playing the shows? I would imagine like you found the spark that you had been missing for probably over ten years or close to a decade, right? If not more, is that what kind of was like? Well, you're like, I gotta do this again. Like this is this is where I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. The band's first shows were with Such Gold, and I had to miss them. It was two shows, and then they did a run. In August, like seven or eight days to the Midwest, it's, Henry's v- idea was no local. Let no let's not be a local band. Let's jump right into being a touring band, which I'm glad we did. Um, so they did that eight day run, I think, as well, and I couldn't make it. I was like, I can't take off from tour work. Little did I know, I would never sacrifice. Now I would not miss a Keep Flying show. Now I'm good. I'm not going to miss a show. Um. Uh, my first show was at AMH uh, with with uh, Keep Flying's first show. And, dude, that was it. Home show at AMH, I was I was blown away. I, I, I think I fucked up every song playing because I was so anxious and excited. And uh, it, that was it. I knew right then and there, like, oh, my God, I can't miss any shows. And I still had to miss some over the years from work, but uh, not not really as much the last two years. Dude, yeah, I mean, I remember. So, I remember the beginning days. I remember you, like you. Now you just said that their first shows were, were with such gold. I literally remember that being announced. Like, I, I it's like kind of hitting me. It's coming back to me because I remember I was, like I said, I remember the first day Keep Flying got announced. I remember it being a big deal. Like yeah. I, I, it was, it was made to seem like a big deal right off the bat. And you know what that t- that tells me is that like not only did you all have it, like people that you knew and you had creative relationships where people wanted to support it right off the bat, obviously, but doing the thing for so long, you knew what to do right off the bat to just like you even just said, like we're not gonna be a local band, we're gonna immediately tour. Most bands can't just immediately tour because they don't really know how to do that. But you guys were able to jump into this project with the immediate like. We got this. Like this is this is we know what to do to make this a reality, right off the bat, yep. and that it's cool because the the whole band seemingly works really well to to make all that happen. Um, yeah, dude, that's 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 dope. So I remember when when I met the first day I met you was at the Donk. Um, when I booked I booked you guys. Uh, it was the Shakeout's first show ever. You guys opened because you hopped on very like I think it was like you hopped on like the week before the show or something. Um, because I think you had a show drop, and I think Henry had been the one to reach out to me about about playing the show. Um, yep. But it was cool, man. I I remember just first seeing you guys and just being like, "Yeah, these are the guys you like want to hang around." <laughs> that makes sense. You you very much gave off that like. Very inspiring. Like, if you're a DIY band, this is probably how you should do it. Like, you just want to be the guys that people want to hang around. Well, that makes me happy to hear that. Yeah, man. Of course. I mean, it's, it's why uh, I'll, I'll I'll ride for the KF team for for whatever, man. It's <laughs> funny it, enough. There's plenty of people who 
plenty of people who don't feel that way, which is always amazes me. And, and I don't care anymore, but I did care for way too long. Um, it doesn't really make too much sense to me, but Hey, you know what? If you don't like fun and you don't like, um, people hijacking your shit, then I guess you wouldn't like us. Cause that's what we do. We have fun and we, we hijack shit. It's great. We're pirates. We're modern day pirates. It's amazing. <laughs> by hijack shit you mean you, you got it is you're a hard act to follow up there's no doubt because anyone who hasn't seen keep flying keep flying just goes hard you know keep flying is very you can't keep your eyes off the band when, when you're watching a kf show and not to blow too much smoke up your up your ass because I'm, I'm sure you've heard it before but. No, but also with the hijacking like even besides the performance like we have like powerful, uh, we're all like alpha people. Um, and so we walk into a room and we're just loud, a little bit crass, a little aggro. And like, if you don't know us, you would maybe think half the band are being assholes or being too loud or, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I totally understand that, but like, we're just like, we're icebreakers. We come in and the ice is broken. There's no more ice. Let's just get it off the table we're here to do the thing. Let's have a good time and let's and then let's go home. You know what I mean? Like uh, for some people that I can see is overwhelming and or intimidating or scary even. But we're not, man. We're just looking to have fun. Yeah, no. I have always I've always gotten that vibe, but I'm also a New Yorker, so <laughs> we uh, right. we we all do that. You know, I think New Yorkers are just very abrasive people. It's, a, it's our vibe. I, I've gotten the same thing about me so many times in my life where people are like, oh, I was intimidated when I first met you. And I'm like, me? Why? <laughs> what the fuck? What did I do? <laughs> it's just the way you talk, the way you carry yourself. We're the same way. And I get that people are like, oh, that makes people, some people nervous. That's fine. Just I'm telling you, if you're listening, we're not. Come up. Come chill, you know? We just want to hang out and meet people. Everyone in the band is super friendly. We just love hanging out and meeting people, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, all right, you got you got time for two more quick things. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, one thing I was gonna really quickly try to 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 hit on was um, the past year. You know, like obviously you're a guy that had that toured ten plus months, nine plus months a year, right, for a very long time. So the past year, everything's been taken. You know, from all of us, but you, you, I'm sure, especially like you said, you never, you never felt like you had a place to live until the past year. What, uh, right. what would you say you've learned? Are, 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 do you feel like you gained uh, some a lot of positives out of this year? Has it been more negative than positive? Uh, for me, absolutely more positive than negative. Um, I found out what stationary stability could be and what it could mean if my life was to no longer be filled with lots of travel and adventures and what I found from, I found more balance. Um, I found, you know, I already knew that I, I ran from my issues as a coping mechanism, but because of COVID, you know, I wasn't able to do that. So I found new ways to cope with, with my, with my um, issues that I have and my flaws and, um, you know, all, all that, all the stuff that comes with mental health, you know, which has been uh, really uh, valuable because I uh, would have never thought about it anymore if we had just kept on rolling, you know. Um, 
And I've also, you know, found out that I can't be in one place for too long. I confirmed that during this year. That is, is confirmed. And when I do get to go and do something, it is a relief. So that is something that I know for sure I need and makes me happy. And I'm sure there's millions of other people out there, wanderlust travel people who feel the same way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. As far as music goes... I think we're going to see a lot of uh, people who didn't have it, who didn't really want it as much as the next people to take a step to the side, which I also think is a good thing. I think it makes, there'll be a little bit more room when we get back from this for people who want it more to be able to shine maybe a little bit easier. You know, not only is Spotify and Instagram running an algorithm, but the entire music and entertainment industry is an algorithm. You know, it really is. And with a little less clutter, Maybe there's some room for, you know, people of all kinds to 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 have a, a chance, a better chance, um, because they want it a little bit more. And so I think that, you know, as much as it was, it sucks to watch them away. You know, it, for others, it it made others, not me, realize that they wanted to move on from that part of their life. And I'm glad they had that opportunity to find that out, because others like me found out just as eager if not more to get it going because we feel i feel like i have unfinished business for certain especially when it comes to kf and my work i feel like i'm unfinished yeah i, I feel you retire tomorrow and be happy. i feel so, you man that's what i'm that's that's kind of where i'm at but i hope that everyone's been able to find something positive out of this you know yeah, i really I, do i i i you know I think so. I think everyone has uh, at least somewhat reflected on themselves. And honestly, to be quite honest with you, if you haven't and you've just kind of sat home and you, you you thought, you know, maybe maybe you weren't built for, for stuff like this because, <laughs> like, the music industry, this DIY world, like, you kind of got to get ready for, like, taking the punches. And, like, it's just the reality of, of it all, you know? Um, and, and I if, also learned that... that- um, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, finish. No, no, go, go. I also learned that we're going to see, we're just going to see the DIY really thrive, man. I got a phone call today from a larger booking agent friend who man, who books, you know, large global acts. And he said this to me a few months ago, but he said it again today. The, that part of the music industry is going to heavily rely on the DIY uh, scene to get started up to pave some sort of path, basically lay down the, the loose gravel for a path for these bigger bands to come in and, and uh, drive on. Because we need to test the waters and get people excited to go back to shows and and. and and that's going to be our responsibility. And to be honest with you, man, that's we will we will get no no monetary gain from that. But we'll we'll be able to say we were the first ones to go out and do it, and we got people excited. And uh, I really wouldn't trade that for anything. I'm I'm happy to take that title. No problem. We'll 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 do it for you. No worries. We'll pave it, dude. I'll we'll get out there and pave. I'm stoked, man. I really like. I can't wait to get back out and, and and do the thing, man. It's it's, you know, I mean, we've been very fortunate, as you know. To, we we get to play every week still, but 
it's not you know it's great i love twitch i love playing online but i I can't wait to get out and play in front of people again and be social and it's gonna be dope it's gonna be awesome can't wait to send the email for a hold at the open mic in wilmington north carolina asking hey i know it says here only three songs and acoustic but any chance we could play like five band five songs full band and maybe have a friend's band play <laughs> don't mean to hijack your your open mic but it, this is the only thing i got can't wait to send that email <laughs> yeah i feel you it's gonna it's gonna be great dude it's gonna be fucking awesome because it, again like you said it'll show who the people that really want it are you know the people that really just want to play and really want to do the thing will go out and be humbled and go sit back and go do that and uh and love it and still be so down to yep. do it you know yep awesome man um all right quick speed round i'm just gonna name a few things and i want you to think of the first word that comes to your head and uh, and then we'll wrap it up that's cool so the 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 the, the segment all right so the segment is the most punk rock all right so i'm gonna say what's the most punk rock blank and then you give me the first thing that comes to your head okay so the most punk rock cartoon character garfield garfield nice nice i'll take it no explanation needed uh most First thing, brother. That's the first thing that came in. Garfield doesn't give a shit ever. It's great. He doesn't care. <laughs> You're right. My man just likes lasagna. All right, most. He doesn't care, bro. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't care. Most punk rock beverage. Dr Pepper. Yes. Yes. I I would go. I'd agree. I'd agree. It's my favorite soda. Uh, most punk rock article of clothing. A cut off, like a like a t shirt that's been cut. Mm-hmm. Fair. I I, I would have so maybe, I would have thought you maybe would have said Crocs, but I feel I feel you on the, the article. That's not punk rock. Still <laughs> a problem with them. Even though you got Post Malone making his third pair, you still got a problem with me wearing the Crocs, jackass. All right, next one. All right, last one. Next and last one, and I think this one will be good for you because uh, you're a big travel guy. I know you're into this. Most punk rock gas station. Irving. Irving is a gas station chain that is in Canada that also is in a smattering of places in like New Hampshire and Maine and like up there because it's close to Canada. And I don't think I've actually ever gone to one, but I always talk about it (laughs) because I don't know why. (laughs) Uh I'm going to say Irving, even though there's other punk rock gas stations, like all of them, they're all punk rock because you can steal from them. So they're all punk. <laughs> yeah. Yes, truth. Punk rock, bro. Truth. Oh, truth. Yeah. Yo, dude, thanks for doing this. Um, so for anyone who doesn't already know, uh, we, we launched a live streaming company. It's called Livest. Livest.tv. Our first show is this Saturday with Keep Flying. If you don't already listen to Keep Flying... Please, please check out Keep Flying, and if you want to watch an awesome band play on Saturday and you miss live music, uh, I really highly recommend you head over to livest.tv slash keep flying and uh, pick up a ticket because we're going we're gonna to do the thing, and it's going to be awesome, uh, and you're going to watch this dude scream and play saxophone. Um, I'm stoked. I can't wait, man. We went to Peter's house today, and 
it's it's gonna be great, bro. It's gonna be good, man. We're excited. We're 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 all individually rehearsing yesterday, today. We're meeting up as a band on Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday when you get there while we're while we're testing the audio, we're still gonna be rehearsing. So I, I this is gonna be as good as we're gonna sound for not playing together since March eighth. It's gonna be awesome, dude. I can't wait to 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 hang and do it. And uh, thanks again for being on. Thanks to everyone for sticking through the uh, technical difficulties. I'll uh, I'll work that out. I think we got some good audio at least. I don't know about the video so much, but <laughs> well, we're we're, do, we're doing a raffle. Remember, we're doing that raffle. Raffle. That's dude. That is big. All right. So for the few people that are in here, if you guys like f free shit. We're giving away free shit on Saturday. The, like I know this show costs a couple bucks, but it'll be uh, it'll be well worth it because you're gonna get the full band. You're gonna get an hour of real good entertainment from a band who's not been playing a lot recently, and then also raffling off. Do you have any uh, any of the things you can maybe say? Maybe a few raffle items you could talk about. Yeah. We just confirmed we're gonna raffle off the mixer that AJ and AJ are using for the live stream, um, <laughs> as well as. As well as a couple of the microphones that they borrowed from a friend. Uh, so those are some of the things that we're going to raffle. Um, Our streams so are done. We'll have, like a, we'll have some. We'll have some vinyl. We'll have some. Uh, some some old merch that we had that we hadn't gotten rid of, uh, and then some some fun stuff that is in Peter's basement. Plus maybe some uh, NES games and random other shit that we we are willing to part with. Uh, from our personal uh, stash of collectibles, um, we're gonna have fun with it, man. We wanna we wanna raffle off fun stuff. We I want somebody to open their mail a week later and be like, I forgot that I won this, and I can't believe that they actually shipped this. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I, I, maybe I'll come up with something. I I I'll add to the raffle if that's cool. We'll we'll, we'll add perfect. a we'll add a livest gift. I don't know what yet, but uh, it'll be something goofy and, and fun too. Maybe my maybe. Gift card to Wendy's, a gift card to Wendy's that still has forty-two cents on it. That could I, be good. If I didn't use this so much, it maybe it would have been this. But I use this a lot, bro. This is this is this is that important. just gave me an idea. I want you to know, I have a mask. I'm bringing it for the raffle because I've been wondering <laughs> what the hell I was gonna do with it. It's in the same exact vein as that. I'll probably wear it during the live stream and then I'll raffle it. <laughs> so it'll have your sweat still on it. Hopefully, by the time the person gets oh, it. Yeah. Raffling it out of here because I don't want it anymore. <laughs> Good. All right, man. Uh, I'll catch you soon. Right. Thanks again for doing this, bro. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. I hope the video came out amazing. Yeah, it didn't, but it's okay. <laughs> All right, great. Peace, yo.